0: Word on Health, the report with its finger on the pulse of popular medicine, with Paul Pennington. Word on Health. Feel very best of health. Every day across the UK, 31 people receive the news they're living with a form of neck or head cancer. The prevalence of head and neck cancers are increasing, yet public awareness has remained stubbornly low for over 20 years. Michelle Vickers is CEO of the charity, the Head and Neck Cancers Foundation. Michelle, when we talk about head and neck cancers, what are we referring to?
1: Well, cancers that are known collectively as head and neck cancers usually begin inside the mouth, the throat and voice box, but they can also be in your salivary glands, your sinuses or muscles and nerves in the head and neck, but those are sort of less common. I think most people think of things like brain tumours and things like that. It's not that. We're talking oral, throat, voice box, sinuses, nose and salivary glands.
0: So who's at risk?
1: Anybody can have this disease. Young people get this. These Children get it too. These type of cancers are twice as common amongst men as they are among women. That has been linked in the past to smoking and alcohol, which is why we're seeing an increase now in women having these type of cancers. Also with men, we find that they are later to be diagnosed. So the prognosis can be not as great for them as it can be for women because women tend to go to the doctor more quickly, whereas men commonly delay going to the doctor. Also, whilst young people can get it as well, we are seeing that more people are often diagnosed over the age of
0: 50. Michelle, I said in my introduction, awareness of head and neck cancers is low. What should we be aware of?
1: What we urge you to do is check your mouth now and see what's normal so you know what normal looks like. And if you know what normal looks and feels like, then you'll know when something feels a bit weird and a bit odd and that you need to go and see somebody. But in general, mouth ulcers that don't heal within three weeks, and quite often people will go to their doctor and say, I've got this mouth ulcer and the doctor may give them something, and that's it, they forget about it. But you need to go back. If within three weeks that hasn't healed you need to go back and get something done about it. Anything like any red and white patches inside your mouth that you haven't seen there before and any unusual lump, swellings in your mouth or on your tongue or any odd sensations, any loss of feel, a loss of a sensation or anything that feels slightly different in your mouth always go to your GP and say what you're concerned about and let them follow up on it
0: where are we at in treating head and neck cancers
1: there's new technology and new treatments and I guess the most important thing I'd say is that there are options it's good it's getting better it's still a bit of a postcode lottery so you need to do your research just like if you're buying a car do your research you speak to other people that's what you need to do go onto our website there's lots of information there about new technology you can join a support group and find out from other people what their experience is with that technology and that new treatment
0: and finally michelle from the experience you've gained when we're living with a cancer diagnosis and on treatment what's the best steps we can take for ourselves to optimize our health and recovery during this time
1: i think that is such a good question because quite often and this is no disrespect to the medical community they're looking for medical treatment and that's that But you need to take ownership of how you're going to see yourself through this journey. So I would say you need to manage your stress. Look at some relaxation techniques and choose something that's suitable for you. Try and get some sleep. I know that's difficult, but you need to sleep while you're going through the treatment. You need to be the best you can be while you're going through your treatment and your diagnosis. Exercise regularly. Eat well. Speak to your dietitian. You're going to need to be eating well and keeping up your body weight And then this is the most important bit to me. You need to accept practical and emotional support. So ask for help or seek out a listening ear, join a support group and share your experiences. And the other thing to that I'd say is avoid environmental toxins. And by that I mean not just physical toxins like cigarette smoke and stuff like that. But I mean surround yourself by positivity and look after your mental health as well as your physical health.
0: My grateful thanks to Michelle Vickers. For further information on head and neck cancers, log on to our website, www.wordandhealth.com. Word on health. Feel very best of health. Anxiety disorders are a group of mental illnesses that cause constant fear and worry. Statistics show that around 1 in 5 of us at some point in our lives will live with or experience anxiety. 1 in 10 will live with a disabling form of the condition to a point where it seriously affects their day-to-day functioning. The good news is anxiety disorders are treatable and the vast majority of people with an anxiety disorder can be helped. Dave Smithson is from the charity Anxiety UK.
2: Some people will be able to manage it themselves with self-help tools, self-help techniques. The sort of moderate ends, you might need to have a short course of therapy or a short course of medication. On the more severe case, it may be that you need a longer period of therapy and a medication or a combination of both.
0: When should we be reaching out for help with anxiety?
2: When it's starting to have that day-to-day interference with your normal ability to function. We live in a very strange times. We're all having to deal with this incredible disruption that pandemic is causing and who isn't going to feel anxious or worried? And it's a very natural response that we will all experience. For the vast majority of us, we get up and we deal with it. But for some people, that level of anxiety maybe increases and you're not getting any help and support and you're not able to control it yourself through self-help means. You're not able to function normally. That's the time to reach out and get professional
0: help. I know there's been a major disruption to in-person face-to-face consultations how valuable have online facilities proved to be?
2: Had we not had the facility and the ability to deliver therapy support via online platforms through either our therapy on demand service that anybody can access or through our members then all the therapy services would have dried up. We've obviously not had that problem, we've not only been able to continue to deliver service but we've been able to meet the growing and in demand for it. We're probably delivering twice as many referrals a month currently than we would normally.
0: Finally Dave what self-help measures can you recommend to help us stay in control of our anxiety?
2: Simple things such as diet and exercise are hugely important. And then the other thing I'd very much encourage people to do is mindfulness. It can take your mind off that ruminating and and worrying about things. The other thing to try and do is not get too focused and obsessed with looking at the news bulletins all day long, constantly checking the news, constantly checking your social media feeds. Maybe just taking one news bulletin a day so you know what's happening, you know what's going on in the world, but don't be totally obsessed with it. Try making sure you get a good night's sleep. Sleeping is really important. If you're not unwinding enough, before you go to bed to make sure that when you go to bed, you get a good night's sleep. Try and plan around maybe having a hot bath before you go to bed or a Horlick's tea, those kind of drinks. Something that helps you bring your heart rate down before bedtime so that you're relaxed and ready for it. Those are a few things to consider. On our website, there's some resources that you can download for free, full of tips and advice, Don't have a read of those.
0: My grateful thanks to Dave Smithson from Anxiety UK. For further information, log on to our website, www.wordandhealth.com. That's www.wordandhealth.com. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our address being at Word on Health. Keeping you in touch with the health and lifestyle issues that matter. This is Word on Health with Paul Pennington. Every day, around 300 people are diagnosed with macular disease. It's the biggest cause of sight loss in the UK. Macular degeneration can affect people of all ages, but it's more prevalent as we get older. Kathy Yelf is CEO of the Macular Society.
3: The macula is a tiny area of the retina at the back of the eye. It's about the size of a grain of rice. And although it's very small, it's actually responsible for all the focused central vision that we have, all our colour vision and the fine detail of what we see. So the macula in older people can degenerate. There are two main forms of the disease. One is called dry macular degeneration, where the cells of the retina gradually die off, leaving something that's a bit like a worn-out thread. Bare carpet, and that can take many months or years before people have significant vision loss. But then there's a more aggressive form called wet macular degeneration, in which new abnormal blood vessels grow into the macula, and these bleed and they leak fluid, and they can very quickly scar the macula and cause catastrophic loss of vision. So people who have very advanced macular degeneration can't read, they can't drive, they can't see the food on their plate, they can't recognize the faces of their loved ones. So it can be an utterly devastating condition.
0: <laughs> there's a huge amount of ongoing research into both forms of macular degeneration what do we know about the risk factors
3: the risk factors include age and certain genetic types so we know that it's largely a genetic condition could be that we would all get macular degeneration if we lived long enough but clearly some people get it earlier and some people get it and other people don't smoking is very bad for the whole body but it turns out it's also very bad for the eyes and if you smoke and have certain genetic profile then you are virtually guaranteed to get macular degeneration
0: where are we at with treatment options At the moment, there is no
3: medical treatment for dry macular degeneration. The wet form can be slowed down, it's not a cure, and it doesn't work for everybody. And it does appear that over a period of years, the drugs may become less effective.
0: If we have concerns about macular degeneration, who should we turn to?
3: your high street optometrist and you should do that regularly high street optometrists nowadays have very sophisticated very often photographic and scanning equipment and they are much better placed really to diagnose eye disease than your GP so really everybody should have a regular appointment with their optometrist in their high street even if they don't need glasses they need to go regularly at least every two years so that somebody can have a look at the back of your eye and see if there are any signals of any concerns
0: my grateful thanks to Kathy Yelf for further information on macular degeneration and links through to the Macular Society, log on to our website, www.wordonhealth.com. That's www.wordonhealth.com. Word on Health, the report with its finger on the pulse of popular medicine with Paul Pennington. Word on Health, feel very best of health there's a whole heap of so-called celebrity fad diets doing the rounds it's claimed will help you become those bodies we often see on TV in glossy mags and adorning billboards up and down the UK. Sean Porter is from the British Dietetic Association. Sean, it would seem that we're constantly on the search for some sort of magic bullet when it comes down to losing weight. Is there such a thing as a quick fix to losing weight to help us become the body beautiful? Unfortunately, there isn't. It does take time, effort and patience and...
4: You have to be realistic with your goals and it's not about going on a diet because going on a diet suggests it's going to have a beginning and an end. What you want to do is make small changes over a month or two which are going to be changes that you can then sustain which will help you lose weight and more importantly keep it off.
0: What is the best approach we should take?
4: Okay, the first thing you want to do is any eating pattern is one you can stick to. It shouldn't be a penance. Portion sizes is absolutely key. Having some foods more than others, so plenty of vegetables and smaller portions of things like lean meat or oily fish. No one food can give you everything you need. So have a variety of foods. The other thing is do try and be as physically active as you possibly can and be physically active in your daily life. Often people think about it as putting your lycra on and getting on your bike or going down the gym, which is fantastic but it's about taking the stairs it is about getting off the bus one step early it is walking the children to school it is walking to the shops to buy the paper rather than taking the car all those things that would be part of your daily life will obviously help you burn calories but also look after your health
0: word on health on air and online 52 weeks of the year with paul pennington word on health your personal prescription for your very best of health